Normally we have a little video that prepares you for the sermon, but I just couldn't wait any longer. It feels really good to be back here with you today. For those of you that have missed the past couple of weeks or so, I'm, I had, I've been gone. Um, so we're all back today. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to take a moment and share with you a little bit before I get into the message about greater life and about what you don't see here on a Sunday morning. And I was so thrilled to see somebody walk in that's very special to me, and I'll introduce them to you. But uh, right now, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, the watch party that's happening at a hotel, uh, extended stay hotel at on Independence Boulevard called Independence Place. So hey, Independence Place, we're glad you guys are a part. Tony and Donna are down there. Yeah. God bless you. Glad you're here. So we have... Uh, some folks there in the conference room watching, uh, uh, watching the service, and we consider them Greater Life Church family. We have, have a Locust Campus that I was preaching at last week, and uh, so we have a, a ministry going on out there in Locust, and they do things like truck shows because yee-haw. And so um, anyway, God bless them. We're so excited about their ministry and what's going on out there. And I thought it was important to share with you that it, it expands beyond this location, but it also expands beyond this hour, this time. And so at two o'clock this afternoon, I'd like to introduce you, if you haven't met them, to a couple of people. I'm going to ask, Paul, would you stand? This is Paul Darnell. He is our Nepali pastor, GLC Nepali pastor. God bless you, Paul. At two o'clock every afternoon, they have a worship service in our uh, youth and kids room. And Pastor Joaquin and Esperanza, would you guys stand? This is our Espanol pastor. God bless you. And uh, out of everybody, I think Pastor Joaquin's probably my favorite person and, uh, in the world. He's just, other than Kelly, he's just, he's good people. He's good people. He never gets mad at me when I say things off color. He doesn't know what I'm saying, but that's okay. Uh, love you, love you, love you, love you. And uh, the, our Espanol congregation and Nepali congregation are just precious, precious people. And aren't you thankful that Greater Life is doing greater things all over the place? Many of you uh, have come in today and just been so kind and with the welcome backs and all of that. Um, you know, and the, the fact of the matter was is, is I just wanted to take a couple of weeks to not be in charge of anything. And uh, so, and that, that, that was accomplished. I didn't go away and, and I didn't go to Israel and go on the 40-day journey of fasting. I just, I just didn't. I just stayed home. I worked a little bit on the house. I played a little golf. And I'm telling you, I, 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 I under par every time I played. I was by myself, but I believe grace is a gift that keeps on giving. And, uh, and so, just had a great time and I want to thank the staff, and will you thank the staff with me for doing an awesome job while I was gone. Thankful so much for the team, Pastor Mike and Moises and, and just all the others that have just kind of done a great job with the ministry in my absence. As a matter of fact, last week, uh, no, two weeks ago, uh, last week it was in Locust, but two weeks ago I went uh, and I was going to go to church. A buddy of mine 
uh, pastors of church in Mooresville, and I was going to go to his church and just kind of be in the crowd and enjoy ministry. And, and I texted him, and I said, man, I just I can't come. And the reason why is because every, you know, if whatever industry or job or profession you're in, you find yourself as a restaurant minister, manager, you go into a restaurant and begin to evaluate what that restaurant does in comparison to what your restaurant does. You understand? So I knew going to church, I would just look around and say, hey, I like that idea or I don't like that idea. And the goal was to not think of all of those things while I was away. And so I didn't go. I skipped church. And it was awesome. <laughs> but I also missed this. And something about being in the house today reminded me how much I missed. And uh, so I'm thankful to be here today. Also, uh, when we did go away, I, I texted my buddy. I said, hey, listen, I'm not coming, uh, which means I won't be giving also. But anyway, uh, that went with it. But I, I said, I'm not coming. I'm going to a Panthers game. So I went to a Panthers game. And uh, Kelly and I went, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was a great, a great time. Because we didn't take our kids, we were able to get the nicer seats, you know. <laughs> As the kids are like, well, what about us? I'm like, well, what about you, you know. God bless them. But I went, and then we watched the Panthers game last afternoon, you know, uh, last, last week. We went home and watched the Panthers game, and uh, no, actually, it was Thursday evening, right? Thursday night football. We're watching the Panthers game, and I'm, it's, it's all about atmosphere, right? And so I'm talking about atmosphere a little bit today, and so I, I use this as an introduction because atmosphere matters. And so as I'm sitting in my recliner, and Kelly is sitting in the recliner behind me, and, and, and we're watching the game and, and you know, just enjoying the, the, the announcers and the ball game, and the Panthers are doing great for now, and uh, it was awesome. And so we were having a good time, and all of a sudden... At the end of the down, I heard something. And I remember being at the Panthers game and remembering how they would play music between every down. If you've ever been to a ball game, they do that, right? And it just kind of gets you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they pause it. So for the rest of the game, my bride was back there with her phone pulling up stadium music. And I'm not kidding. After every down, there was a different song. <laughs> Are you ready? You know, after every, and I'm like, this, you were doing an amazing job. It was always something fresh and fun. And, and, and we were all in there, and we were realizing that this, we need to get a better speaker and just let her do that because it felt like I was in the house and I was getting pumped up. And um, because atmosphere matters. No one wants to go to the game, and the down happened, and the third down. Right? It, it keeps you engaged and energized. And no one wants to go to church where it feels like a funeral. Right? Because Jesus isn't dead. <laughs> uh-uh. We come and celebrate that he is alive. Amen? And so today was such a refreshing time for me where there's so much life in the room. And thank you for being here today and making it a priority. Even if you literally just had a baby. Hey, Elaine, God bless you. She literally just had a baby. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Sorry. My intention is not to call out individuals throughout the service, but if it happens, 
been out of the pulpit for a couple of weeks. All right. I need to ask a favor of you as well because we've been praying for miracles and breakthroughs. So here's what I'd ask for you to do. If something has happened already in the service, you had pain in your body, you had an issue or something that you can identify clearly, and you can say that God has touched me, then at any time in the service, I won't ask you what it is, I won't have you come up here, but please do this. So if it's already happened up to this point, then do this. Did God touch you in a special way this morning already? Praise God. Now, if it happens while I'm preaching, just do this, and I'll say, God bless you. But at the end of the day, we serve a miracle-working God who loves us. He wants to intervene in your life. Today we're talking about atmosphere. Our sermon title is Prepare the temple. Prepare the temple. I'll be in First Chronicles. You have your note sheets that are there. You can fill those out as we go along. Contrary to what you may think, I won't be going over today. Some of you guys, how are you going to peach longer than normal today? <laughs> so what if I do? No, we're going to be done on time. Because on time is when the Holy Spirit says. As long as we're done by two, right, brother? <laughs> Just kidding. Some of you guys are really freaking out right now. Relax. We have fun here at Greater Life. Atmosphere. Today we look at the preparations that were made for the temple of God at the end of David's life. Pastor Randy has already alluded to, that, pa that passage came several chapters over and came time-wise longer than what we're going to be talking about today because before the fundraising happened, the preparation happened, the collection of the materials for the building of the temple. How many of you guys understand that you can't build anything until you got stuff to build? Today we look at the preparations made at the end of David's life. For the next generation, my hope is that we draw a straight line to our opportunity, to our calling, that we prepare ourselves as the scriptures show us and reminds us in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 6 19 that we, say we, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is us who must be prepared to be hosts and walk in the presence and the anointing of the Almighty God. And by extension, when we come together, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. As we walk this out together, I hope and pray that you'll be ready to be prepared. We worship in a building that we believe brings us together in the presence of God. It is the very function of the temple in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given like we enjoy today during the church age. So the presence of God was relegated, not by anything other than God says, this is my house and this is where you will come to meet me. But today, we can go into the presence of God in this place and in Locust and in Independence Place and at 2 o'clock and all over this city and this nation and be in the presence of God. Because when Jesus died, something happened. The veil in the temple was torn, signifying that the presence of God was not limited to only one high priest at only one time during the year that we all can enjoy being in his presence all the time. 
My Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there with them also. Today we talk about preparation of the temple. Number one, are you ready? It's going to be fast and furious. Number one, prepare the materials. Prepare the materials. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 2 through 4. So David gave orders to call together the foreigners living in Israel. And he assigned them the task of preparing finished stone for building the temple of God. David provided large amounts of iron for the nails. And that would be needed for the doors and the gates and for the clamps. And he gave more bronze than could be weighed. He also provided innumerable cedar logs for the men of Tyre and Sidon had brought vast amounts of cedar to David. Before we go any further, pray with me. Lord Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, speak clearly to us. Help us to prepare for what's next. Not just here at Greater Life, but in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Stone. Stone is speaking of the foundation. Now, I love the way that Scripture kind of goes back and forth. You read something in the Old Testament, and you find yourself in the New Testament finding an explanation or uh, extension of what the teaching is. We talk about stone, speaking of the foundation, speaking of stability, speaking of longevity in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. <laughs> David sent the foreigners to go gather the materials. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners, and, and it, I could just translate it for you, now you're family. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family, verse 20. T together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone. Interesting, what word is in cornerstone? Stone. The cornerstone, historically speaking, was the first rock that was laid. It was the one in which everything else would be leveled and measured. It was without the cornerstone. There was no rhyme or reason to the rest of the building. The cornerstone had to be the best of all. And the perfect stone before the rest of the building would be built. The cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Say amen. Y'all talk to me today because I missed y'all, and if y'all don't talk to me, I don't feel like you missed me. Just for me, just say amen every now and then. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. All the way back in Chronicles, we read about the stone that was collected for the temple. And all the way in Ephesians, we see that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And us Gentiles are now family because of Jesus. Come on. Secondly, we find fasteners. Fasteners. Frankly, many times I've read through this and I've read about the nails and the fasteners and just kind of kept on rolling. But I'm telling you, fasteners is a pile of materials. Uh, fast, without fasteners, it's just a pile of materials laying there. 
until there is something that holds it together, that brings it together, that keeps it together. And as the body of Christ, there must be a greater thing that holds us together than there is that tries to threaten and divide us. John chapter 17, friend, verse 20. Jesus is praying himself. I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones that were with him at that time, but also for all who, were, who will ever believe in me through this message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Jesus' prayer is that we would have a unity in the body just like him and his father are one. Can't be no closer than that. And I know that it is the plan of the enemy to bring division. Listen, at Greater Life Church, masked or maskless, vaxxed or unvaxxed, we want you to be here so we can talk about Jesus. This is Jesus' place, not some house of politics. Hmm. Verse 21. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. The single greatest indicator that Jesus is there, and that Jesus was sent, and that Jesus is the Son of God, is unity in the body. It's high time that pastors stop throwing mud at each other on social media and behind each other's backs. And it's now time that we unite around what unites us, and that is the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to wash away every sin. Amen? I'm frustrated sometimes when people come here and say, listen, I, I, I've been at Greater Life, and I agree with 15 out of 16 of the fundamental doctrines of the assemblies of God, but that one thing that... I, I got to go somewhere else. Well, God bless you, brother and sister, but 15 out of 16 ain't bad. <laughs> because the core doctrines is about the things that really matter, the ones that make a difference between here and eternity. And we won't compromise, and we will never compromise, and what we also won't do is fight over those things that ain't going to make a difference. The third thing, the third material is wood. I love how the scriptures did this again. Wood is to build the walls, to strengthen, to give us structure. But it wasn't just any wood. Notice that the word that was used and the wood that was used was cedar. Cedar, the greatest wood known by everybody around, that this wood is rot-resistant. That's why they use cedar when they build fancy houses and pine when they build yours and mine. Sorry, you may not be in my category, but you know, most of us are. You got a cedar house on a hill, God bless you, we're coming to see you if our house falls over. <laughs> At the end of the day, they used cedar, and David said he used cedar here, and collected cedar. Why? In Matthew chapter 6, 19, Jesus said, don't worry about the things of this world where moths and rust destroy. Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths, and moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. And I went to Google because sometimes Google makes my life easy. And I said, what does cedar resist? Moths. 
termite, moths. Isn't it so cool that the creator of it all put that in there so long ago for you and I to have this message today? That when the walls are sound and built of something that doesn't waste away, that it will last. What you're investing your time, your resources, and your effort in has got to be lasting and eternal. Prepare the materials. Number two, prepare the heart. First Kings chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. First Kings chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. Before I get into that, I want to prelude something that I'll refer in a couple of these points. In Luke chapter 11, this isn't in the notes, guys, so don't freak out. I won't be mad at you. I added this this morning, Luke chapter um, 10, actually. Eleven, Luke chapter 11, verse 27 says this. Uh, the man answered, you must uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, say heart. With all your soul, say soul. With all your strength, come on. With all your mind. So we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. Really, those speak to two things. The heart is the seat of your emotions. In a moment, we're going to talk about your mind. So when we're talking about preparing your heart, we're talking about preparing your emotions. Preparing your, if I could say, the thing that's most fickle in most of us. First Kings chapter 2 says, I'm going where everyone on earth must go someday. David is speaking. Take courage and be a man. I love that. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. Notice that being obedient and following the law of God is directly connected to success in all he does. If you do this, then the Lord will keep his promise he made to me. He told me if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all of their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Do you know how that's alluding to? Jesus. First Chronicles chapter 22, a passage that mirrors this passage, says it a little bit differently. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and give you success as you follow his directions in the temple of the Lord your God. And may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding that you may obey the law of the Lord your God as you rule over Israel, for you will be successful if you carefully obey the decrees and regulations that the Lord gave Israel through Moses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or lose heart. That was also said to Joshua as he encountered the promised land. Be strong and courageous. David adds, do not be afraid or lose heart. We're going to call this bootstrapping it. Sometimes it is our temptation to give in to the pressures of the world and say, well, there's too much pressure out here. There's too much going on out here. Let me just go along to get along. And the moment we say we're going to go along to get along, we have compromised the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prepare the heart. Two things I want to leave you with. Be brave and be obedient. 
He told Solomon, take courage, be brave. And then he told him again and again, be obedient. How many of you guys understand to obey God requires a level of courage? Especially when the world around you is calling you a bigot just for living for Jesus. So the call to you and to I as followers of Jesus Christ is to be brave even when it's hard and to be obedient all the time. Well, what, would I make, what if I make a mistake? You ask for forgiveness and you get back on the horse, amen? You get back in the game. You follow Jesus with all of your heart. When you make a mistake, his forgiveness flows through the cross. Number three, prepare the atmosphere. Prepare the atmosphere. The Bible tells us that the violent take it by force. And sometimes in spiritual warfare, it's violent. It feels chaotic sometimes. How many of you guys know that the battlefield is not a quiet place? Spiritual warfare is just as much warfare as any other kind, except the difference is there are eternal consequence. Amen? Prepare the atmosphere. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 5 through 12, and I don't have time to read through it, but you need to understand, David tells his son Solomon to wrap up some loose ends. In verse 5, and we'll throw it up there. I might not have a chance to go all the way through it. In verse 5, he says, and there is something else. You know what Joab, son of Zariah, did to me when he murdered two of my army commanders? In verse 6, he says, Do with him what you think best, but don't let him grow old and go to his grave in peace. Now, we're talking about warfare. David says, He stabbed me in the back, and now I'm leaving it to you, son, to follow through. And in essence, when the baton is passed from generation to generation, there is spiritual warfare that also has to be picked up and engaged in because there is, a, there is a battle going on every day for the soul of humanity. Someone once said that the soul of, the soul of a person must be precious or, or else God and the devil wouldn't be fighting over every single one. And we have to pick up the sword when it's our time to fight. And frankly... The sword has been left laying down when one generation leaves. It's always also been said that it only takes one generation for the gospel to be lost forever. It almost feels like that as a nation too. It's, it's, it's our responsibility. Greater years, I love them, God bless them. But if we don't, as the next generation, pick up the sword and fight, then what in the world do they fight for? Yeah, that was for them. That was, that was their way. It's God's way. I have read this many times, and I have never seen these words on the page change. I was watching a stupid clip of a, t a TV show and someone made the argument that, well, you look at a book written by people you've never met from long, long ago. And the argument was about evolution. About evolution. And the guy came back and said, uh, so, so where, do you get your, where do you get your evidence for evolution? From books. 
So you, you, you take what's written by people that you don't know a long time ago in the books that you're reading, and, and, and you call that, that's faith in evolution, but my faith is in God. That argument will stick. Thank you, Jesus. Prepare the atmosphere. Jesus was good at preparing the atmosphere. I, 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 know, I know whips have been in the news lately. We won't go down that path. But I say that to say this. Jesus used a whip in John chapter 2. Now, in John chapter 2, he needed to clear the temple. In John chapter 2, we see Jesus coming in to the temple. Beginning in verse 13, it was nearly time for the Passover celebration. Jesus went to Jerusalem, and in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables changing foreign money. And Jesus made a whip from some ropes, MacGyvered a, a whip. <laughs> you see, to me, if I was Jesus, he'd be like, whip? Out of nowhere, okay, I got one. But he made one out of ropes. Now, the whips that hurt are made from what? Leather. So, so the, I want you to see that. He wasn't trying to maim anybody, but he wanted to get the point across. And he chased them all out of the temple. And, and I don't know what happened, but it could, it could have been one of those, like when your mama was mad at it, and she'd go. So it could have been, say, hey, you selling cattle here? I don't know. Okay, we're going, right? It could have been that kind of experience. I don't know. But the point is, to prepare the atmosphere for the presence of God, business had to be done, and things had to be dealt with. And sometimes, as a church, it has to be dealt with. And sometimes it hurts. Because my Bible says the violent take it by force, and I'm tired of the devil sneaking in where he don't belong. So give me a whip, give me a sword, give me whatever you got to do, but I'm ready to slay some demons in Jesus' name. Who was he driving out? He was driving people out that were there for the wrong reason. Those that were making money for profit. They were in there making money for profit and those that were dishonest. He drove out the money changers because they had dishonest scales. So he drove out the liars and he drove out the people that were just there to make money. Can I tell you something? Greater Life Church is not all about money. But money makes ministry happen. And every time we've stood up here, we've told you because the budget has been met and because God has been faithful, we found another missionary to give money away to. Because it ain't about us keeping it in our pockets or in our account. It's about us getting it out into the kingdom of an almighty God. Amen? Hallelujah. Lord, help you. I'm not done. You see, preparing the atmosphere David did for his son because he had established peace. In verse 9 of 2 Chronicles chapter 22, it says, as he's telling David that you won't build the temple because you've been a man of war. He says, but you will have a son who will be a man of peace. But the peace only happened because there was a man of war that came before him. 
So my hope and my prayer is, Lord, let me fight as many battles as I need to fight to bring peace for the next generation. To bring a, a, I can tell you, my dad, it's been 10 years since he passed. And he fought so hard and never saw what the victories that he prayed for, that he fasted for, that he hoped for. He fought and he fought and he fought. Spiritually, man, he was always fighting something. But because he fought, I stand here today and I tell you, I have been a beneficiary of the peace that God has brought and the favor and the provision that God has brought. As Pastor Randy described, this is a result of the generation fighting before me. Now, now I'm ready. I've enjoyed the peace. And now I'm ready. Put a sword in my hand. Put a sword in my hand so there'll be a generation that comes behind me that will have the favor of God all over them as well. Guys, Greater Life Church is putting the devil on notice. Don't mess with us. Remember the warrior message a few weeks ago? We're not going to run from the lion that seeks around whom he may devour, the devil. We're going to find the lion in a snowy pit and slay him where he is. Amen? I love when we started singing, raise up an army. Raise it up, Lord. It's like, I'm not ready to fight. That's all right. We'll train you. My buddies, Victor and Linda, I know y'all are having fun down there, just nodding away. <laughs> Remember the lessons learned. One of the things that Solomon did as he followed through and he finished the business that was to be taken care of. He didn't let things stay out there. In Ephesians 4.27, it says us that we have to be careful for anger gives the devil a foothold. And after a foothold comes a stronghold. And I'm telling you, I don't want any kind of hold that the devil wants to have on our church or on your life. Number four, prepare the mindset. Last one. Prepare the mindset. One of the things that was brought to my attention and that after much study, they have begun to find out that not only can your health be changed by the way you think, your mind can change things. But the very addictions and things that you've been carrying so long, did you know that God, in, in His creative ability, created you in such a way that you, when you walk in the presence of God, when you begin to read the Word of God, that your mind literally can rebuild itself, that you can be on, not only addiction-free, but you can have a change literally in your physical body. Amen? It's science now. You got you to gotta believe it. <laughs> Listen to the science, right? But it was written in the Scriptures long before. You see, people say the church is 10, behind, 10 years behind everything else. I'm telling you, everything else is way behind. <laughs> Amen? Because my Bible says in Romans 12, 2, don't 
copy, of, copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on these things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, say Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Get out of your own mind sitting there worried about the things of this world. This isn't your end. Your destination is in glory with Jesus. Think on these things, amen? It would do us all a lot of good just to sit and think about the goodness of God. To go, Lord, thank you for that breath. Many of us have had this crazy virus, and we all know what it's like not to have the breath in our bodies. And I'm telling you, I still, still, almost two years later, is it two years? Two years later, I still breathe and go, thank you, Jesus. I still sing sitting there, and thank you, Jesus. I still stand and not have to go, thank you, Jesus. I still walk to my mailbox and thank you, Jesus. There's something about an experience that you can remember when you couldn't that makes you thankful for when you can. Amen? Listen. The wisest man in all the world found himself falling short, giving in to the exact thing that God warned him about. See, Solomon asked for wisdom. And when he did, God said, because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for. You see, because he didn't ask for riches, because he didn't ask for power, so because you've asked me for the right thing for you, I'm going to bless you with so much more. And see, if we can get into the groove of being in tune with the Spirit and praying the way that God wants us to pray for our own lives, then not only will God bless us in that way, but he will bring so many other things. Because my Bible says that I'm to seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto me. I'll tell you right now today, friend, that if you will find yourself in a place where you're seeking the kingdom of God and not praying about the job, not praying about the race, not praying about the health, but you're seeking first the kingdom, keep praying about all those things. But first start with thanking Jesus for what he's already done. Seeking first the kingdom and then watch him add all these. Like Solomon, you prayed for wisdom, I'm going to give you all the other stuff. But here's where I don't want us to fall short. Listen to me. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, found himself falling short in the exact thing that God warned him about. 
an old mindset of divided worship. Hear me. Solomon's problem was he would worship God and then turn around and worship the idols. And what he did that sabotaged his rule later in life is he allowed people that he shouldn't have been around divide his devotion towards God, divide his attention toward worshiping the one true God, and idols stole away the favor that God had placed upon him. He found himself worshiping more than one thing. Your money and your time, a measure of those, and figuring out where all of that is committed to will be a great indicator of what you actually worship. Whatever takes the most of your time and your money could actually be an idol in your life that needs to be dealt with. And I don't want any of us to fall into the trap of Solomon. Started strong and found himself completely and utterly distracted by the things of this world. You and I have a mission. And that's to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind. And when he becomes the first in everything, all else becomes in an finds its place in an appropriate way in our lives. My kids are first. No, they're not. God is first. My spouse is first. No, they're not. God is first. My job is first. No, it's not. God is first. My church is first. Hmm. No, it's not. God is first. If we can reset in this moment in preparation of the temple, we are the temple, and say, God, it's so important to me that you and you alone and your presence is always here. That even if some violence needs to happen, hear me, Jesus had to deal with the people who didn't belong in the temple. And if you're willing to say, I want the Holy Spirit to deal with me, bow your heads, no, keep them open. If you will stand in this room right now and say, I'm willing for the Holy Spirit to deal with me and everything that doesn't belong in me, I'll submit to him right now. If that's you, stand up right now. If you can't stand, I got you. It's okay. Can you pray with me? Dear Jesus, Pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, we stand in your presence and we invite you by your Holy Spirit to clean this house. We devote ourselves fully to you. Nothing else will distract us 
And in Jesus' name, the plans that the devil has are canceled in my life, in this church, and in this community. God, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise him like he did it. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Jesus! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Revival! Revival! Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And now, God, this army is yours to use. Make us ready. Make us ready. Protect this house, God. May we be a beacon of light in the darkness and the ministry of Greater Life Church in every place and in every language. May your hand be upon it mightily. This is your place, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're the senior pastor of this place. We all follow your lead. Lord, do something so glorious that no man can say that they were in charge of anything. But you will receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.